Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. G'day, this is Better Make It Quick. I'm Osh Ginsburg, and this is the Wednesday version of Better Than Yesterday, which is a podcast that's here to make your day-to-day better than yesterday. Something you hear on this show and every show is going to do just that by having conversations with people from all over the world, from all walks of life, some of them experts in the field. You know, I guess we just hear something that makes us go, oh, you know what? No, I might try that, or I might think about that, and then boom, today, Better Than Yesterday. We've got episodes that go all the way back to 2013, and that's what this episode is all about. Wednesday is just a quick little look at something from uh, the back catalogue. I'm Osher Ginsberg. I'm a TV host. I'm a podcaster. I'm a dad. I'm a stepdad. I'm an author. I'm a beanie wearer indoors because it's um, McMurdo Station in the thing in our house at the moment, and... Uh, <laughs> I'm grateful you can be here. Very still, one of my producers has gone through the back catalogue and found episodes that are really interesting to her, and today is no different. We are going to chat with Sandra Sully. Now, Sandra Sully is an Australian journalist, but she is essentially a TV icon in our country. She has been a trusted and highly respected newsreader on Network 10 for nigh on 30 years now. When Sandra began her journalism career, it was a very different world. There were just a handful of ways that we could actually get our news. Just a few TV news networks, a couple of newspapers, the radio, that was it. Now, there's endless ways to consume news, some of them more valid than others. I wondered at the time, though, with no other sources of news, what was Sandra's sense of what her and her colleagues' role was in the community at the time when she began? Well, I think everyone carried that weight of responsibility, you know, to get it right and how much weight you put on certain stories. I mean, I was really such a cub, such a pup in the game, so I was all eyes and all ears. Um, I worked with some really good people that I could learn from. Um, I had some really good mentors or guides through it. Uh, Look, when I started, Mike Darcy was a senior political reporter on the current affairs show, and then he got absorbed into the newsroom. And he used to say, just come down with me to State Parley, you know, and watch Joe. Just come down and watch it. And I just soaked it up and then... So hang on, so you stood there and watched Bjorki Peterson? Yeah. Wow. And then um, and then the Fitzgerald Inquiry started and I used to go down with Jason Cameron and sit in the back of the courtroom during the Fitzgerald Inquiry. What um, an incredible training ground. Amazing. Every single day another... Like this is like the biggest police corruption scandal in 
possibly Australian history. I don't know. Well, it was very surreal for me and irrelevant in the broader scheme of things, but now all these years on, I'm happy to um, to share it, is that, you know, my best friend at high school was Terry Lewis's, Lewis's daughter. Wow. So I was sitting, I, I was actually, you know, it added another dimension to the power of, of um, you know, quality journalism and and justice. Um, extraordinary, you know, to sit there and watch one of your best friend's fathers go down, go right. to jail. He was, you know, the police commissioner. Far out. Yeah. Uh, did you have sleepovers? Did you know him? Yeah. Far out. I mean, we disconnected after school through yeah. just through circumstance. Um, his daughter is a, you know, beautiful human being, lovely, lovely woman. Um, and there's no ill will. It was just, it was quite surreal almost watching it in a disconnected sense because I, I couldn't have any impact really on the story. Jason was so experienced. I was just watching him in disbelief about how he could, you know, sort of dismantle the minutiae and make sense of it all and put it all together for a one minute 30 story, you know. Yeah. That that was accurate and, um, you know, hit hit the mark. That was pretty extraordinary. And then, you know, Joe was coming and going and and he would have his press conferences, you know, they would all crowd the entrance to his building, which was the back driveway where I worked as a stenographer in the typing pool. Yeah. And, you know, he had one lift always cordoned off for him. And there was, I think there were eight lifts at the base of the Queensland Public Service Board. And I was, you know, on another floor. But whenever Joe was in the building, his lift got quarantined. But his lift driver used to be a mate of my parents at the footy club. And so whenever he wasn't in the lift, he'd say, come on, Sandy, come in with me. You know, <laughs> <laughs> It's just, it's funny, you know, this sort of, Star-crossed moments yeah. in your life where, uh, you know, it really is six degrees. Yeah. Well, certainly in a community like Brisbane at the time, which was, was a cow town. It was, it was a bigger country town. Oh, look, a lot of people in Brisbane always get defensive because, you know, it, it, was, it was never good enough. It was never good enough for the, you know, East Coast National Rugby League mm. scene. Um, Joe always sort of said we're better, you know, mm. and there's, you know, there's this chip on your shoulder if you're from Queensland. And so when my friends from Brisbane here, it's still got a country town quality, they bristle. But I see it as a really endearing, charming yeah. quality that, you know, is, doesn't exist in Melbourne and doesn't exist in Sydney. Yeah, It's still got a country edge to it that's really wonderful. I, I agree with you. I just, I've just done radio there for two two years and... You know, it's it's much, it's humongous. Oh, now. it's cosmopolitan. It's got, yeah. it's got everything going on, but there's still something uniquely Brisbane about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there really is. When you uh, when you first started getting like really stuck into that, that obviously it's a would have been an exciting time in the building. We're going for half an hour. We're going to go to an hour. We're going to take them on. We're going to would have been an exciting time. What what was it that made you you know excited about going to work then? I had a mortgage. <laughs> Look at you, <laughs> clever. What were you, 22? Yeah, a little bit older. No, Ooh. I was in my 20s. Wow. Yeah. Good for you. I had to pay bills. Yeah. So I was working in the gyms before and after work. I just wanted a job. And I, it wasn't until I got in the newsroom that I was offered a cadetship. At the time, I was doing a Bachelor of Business by correspondence, which was just crazy. I wasn't enjoying it at all. So then I switched to journalism. Um, 
then I fell in love with journalism, mm. you know, fell in love with it. What was it that got you? Well, a range of things, but you really, you know, in the box seat of the, for the big events. I mean, you see history before your eyes changing or happening and, you know, you're given a first-class ticket. I mean, it's not, it's not that it all, it's always comfortable or, or an A-plus um, ticket, but you realise that I realise there's politics in every aspect of life and a lot of journalists, when I first started out, said, no, no, I can't stand politics, it's so boring. And I suppose if you understand politics, it's in every facet of life. There's office politics, there's politics at the PNC, at your hockey club, at, you know, girl guides. Every aspect of life, if you understand, you know, primarily the concept of the political dynamic, if you can break every scenario down to the politics of the situation, you know, you can read who's who in the zoo and why they're on that side, right or left. Do you know what I mean? Or yeah. why they're, you know, why they're championing a particular cause and how they need to, um, you know, inculcate a group on their side, you know, to convince them that this is the right way to go. It might be, you know, selling a piece of property or, you know, the kindergarten changing their hours, you know, and parents say no, whatever it is. I just, all of a sudden politics wasn't a scary space for me because I realised it, it made sense of the world around me. Sandra comes from a time in journalism when there was a lot of training, there was cadetships and things like that. And I wanted to know, what did she learn during her training that she still uses today, every night when she's reading the news? Oh, gosh. Osha, there's so many things. Um, it's always about getting it right. And that's not always as easy as it sounds. Um, you know, you've got to go with your gut and you get better at reading people and reading situations. You know, where do you place the value on on a lead and in the information you're getting? Um, the second source, you know, verifying the information. And and then, then it was the competition on the road. Like, that was half the fun. And, and I know that may put people off when they, you know, journalists rank with used car salesmen and real estate agents in terms of community respect. But it was actually about getting back to the office in time to slam your story together and then watch it. And in those days, all the bulletins were at six o'clock. And Larry Summerton, who was the news director then, we had this wonderful habit, you know, routine. As soon as the, the news started, we all crowded into his room, into his office, and we sat on his desk, we sat on the floor. It was a real sense of teamwork, and that was always a really great bonding experience. It's always stuck with me. Um, and he would have three TVs on, and we would watch. You'd watch your story line up against the other two. And then you knew every day whether you not only got it right, but, you know, what did you miss? So, you know, you had this insatiable competitive thirst yeah. to win. <laughs> and, get, and, and, you know, and give, like I was learning the craft of journalism yeah. um, to get it right and, how, you know, why didn't I pitch the story that way or what, that was a better lead than the one I used and this, that would have been a better lead into that grab because it framed the context. It put, it put the grab in a better context and framed the person's argument, you know, uh, in a in a better way than I'd done. All, all those sorts of things, you know, elements to the story that you learn. Did it change the way that you consumed news? Did it change the way you read other sources and read newspapers and went, oh, hang on a second? Yeah, look, I, I was not an avid or voracious reader of news at all. Um, and and my, my 
dad was. He would read the paper. But let's face it, most people don't have time to read the paper. It was a, a luxury on a weekend if you had that time. And when we were kids, I wasn't surrounded by people that were avid news watchers. We sat down and watched the evening news and then I never thought about it again until six o'clock the next night as a kid. Um, so then I, you know, developed a voracious appetite for radio, yeah. newspapers, everything, anything. Well, there's some things you talked about there though that I think might be of value to certainly even now, things like um, the right lead, the second source, just those two things. Just having that in your pocket when you go through your day and reading sensational headlines that pop up in your phone, it's extraordinary because if, if you believed everything that came through your newsfeed, you'd think the world is ending every day. Yeah, and sometimes, look, I, there's never too much information, but I think you do have to work out your filters, you know, so that you're not overwhelmed, not just as a journal, but every day. I mean, information sources at you, whether you're fascinated with entertainment or drama, whatever it may be, and at some point you've just got to, like, turn the volume down or switch it off. Yeah. You know, find that allocated times in your day where you use that time to catch up. You know, I published this digital newspaper called Short Black and the reason I called it Short Black is people were increasingly becoming um, consumers of news where they had the choice as to when they wanted to process or digest the information that mattered to them. So I curate, you know, mostly national and uh, international news and politics, domestic news, sport, things I think matter to Aussies. But I called it Short Black because increasingly people read or get their information in bite-sized chunks at a time that suits them. And in the smashed avocado cafe latte set, um, it's over a coffee where they actually get quiet me time. Mm. When you see a headline that you find that can't be right, do you believe what you read or do you go and check it two or three other places to verify it? Yeah, never. I mean, I, I see the headline as a hook. Yeah. And I don't... It's it's to encourage people to, to read further, read on or buy. Um, occasionally, of course, you bristle when you think, you know, that that's a cheap shot or probably a bit unnecessary. But more often than not, I admire how clever they are. <laughs> <laughs> not about hooking the reader, but the play on words. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I guess I'm also talking about, you know, just the size of a story or something that might be just like a little overwhelming. Do you still look for a second source? Do you still you know, oh, check other websites? Yeah, yeah. I mean, every day um, I scan four papers before I come in and then there would be a half a dozen websites I will look. Yeah. You know, trawl through. So when I log on at the news desk, I've got probably six websites open at any given time in and then there's Twitter, which is our, you know, eternal news source that's, you know, pulsing and pumping mm. by the second. Um, and, again, that's just a headline. Then you've got to open it up and say, right, well, that's what the ABC's claiming. Has anyone else, has anyone else said anything remotely like this? What's their source? Right. Is it what, you know, do we chase it? Do we not? Yeah. How important is it? And don't forget, I mean, the other really important thing I've learned is when I first started, because news was, you know, sort of one source, you had to be all things to all people. And for as long as I can remember, 
you know, I've been at 10, 28 years. Well done. People would say to me, um, we well, yeah, are scary as I say it out loud. Um, you know, you don't have enough finance news or you don't have enough world news or I never watch Channel 10, I only watch the ABC. And I think, okay, like I, I, I literally never, ever offended because it's whatever floats your boat. But you can't be all things to all people. And I quickly worked out that what we do is a combination or somewhere in between the Sydney Morning Herald and the Daily Telegraph. But we're not the Australian and we're not the Financial Review. We're not the Guardian. We're not the Conversation. We're not any of those other things. And you can't be all things to all people. And what profoundly affects you is not going to profoundly affect anyone else. There's a handful of stories in your lifetime that that will connect everyone at, at a guttural level. We're going to hear more from Sandra Sully in just a moment, including, in her opinion, how we can ensure the news that we're consuming is actually balanced and actually based in fact. And we're going to do that right after we play these ads. There is an ad-free version of the show. You can find it on Patreon, patreon.com slash osher. Until then, there might be some commercials here. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Sandra Sully has been a trusted and respected journalist in Australia for over 30 years now. As we know, over the past few years, it has become harder and harder to decipher if the news we're reading is based in truth, based in fact, and is presented without bias. It's very difficult to do when you're in the business of getting more eyeballs to watch what it is that you're doing. And if you're in news, that's your job. So I asked Sandra, how can we ensure the news that we're consuming can actually be trusted? I mean, I always just encourage people to um, read a couple of sources, not about any one story, but just don't have one fix. You know, it might be a violent crumble, but, you know, try Kit Kat one day. You know? <laughs> There's joy in other places. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think as, as a rule of thumb you can go past the major news organisations, 10, 9 and 7, ABC, SBS, and, of course, you know, the Sydney Morning Herald, Telegraph, the Oz, the Finn. Now, no one has time to, to look at all of those, but if you only get your information from one source, frankly, more fool you. Right. Why, why, would, why would you just rely on one 
source. Because when I'm reading that scary story about someone who's going to come for me in the night, then there's a photo of my friend's baby and then I scroll down a bit more and there's a photo, you know, there's some recipe but or something. you some... said, you also said that someone, w- whether it's digital or human, yeah. curates your news for you. Yes. Yeah. And so you've just got to make sure the curator has a broader input. Yeah. You know, like I, I don't really bother with Facebook um, and I know they've been, you know, branded as the fake news kind of area because there's mm. no delineation between what's real and what isn't. Um, and I would just say to people, you don't get your news from Facebook. They're not a trusted, reliable source. And they're scrambling like crazy to build their cred in the news space and they know they have to. So, I, like, I just can't be bothered. Yeah. I'm really proud of what the, the quality of the news we pump out here for free, the free-to-air networks and ABC and SBS. You know, it's extraordinary. Yeah, I I agree. I agree with you. Every when I certainly I missed it when I lived overseas. When I lived away, not see, having access to the ABC was. Yes, but now with digital, with the concept of digital, like I'm addicted to WMYC, you know, and which is New York Public Radio. Yeah. Um, and they often take BBC World News, and and so when you're in the states, it's it's a shame you hadn't found them, but. Things apps like TuneIn let you yeah. tune into any radio station in the yeah. world at any time live. Oh, no, it's amazing. No. I guess what I was what I was trying to say is that I missed that that public resource doesn't exist in in the US. That there isn't a you know it's not a taxpayer funded you know um, yeah uh, uh, non biased broadcaster that has a charter to cover certain amounts of NPR is you know. pretty good. NPR is is pretty good, but it's still that's a it's it's not a government. Um, run thing it's and a charity. it's all politics yeah it's yeah it's a charity Which, thing but yeah. it's good though because you can hear it over the sound of the prius that's it's driving <laughs> that's a los angeles joke uh, <laughs> for anyone that's uh bothered to uh yeah um when you are thinking about your day and you are you know do you center yourself before you get going do you like hear a go There's so many peaks and troughs in my day. The trick is not to flatline too early. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? But I've always found um, I always quite like a a bit of quiet time. So, yeah, I think I do recharge when I have those um, snatches of quiet time. Yeah. And I need them. You've been at this network for – I've been here since 2003. So just – more than I have. Um, but you've seen this network, and just for most people who are listening don't work in television, I'd say maybe, I don't know, 40 people listening will go to tele- listen to television. The, you know, 40,000 people who aren't, though. Um, who probably do, you know, substantial things like yeah. save lives, teach children. Yes, but all of them, I'm, I'll tell you where I'm going. Um, even in my time working here at this network with a mortgage, I have seen the, you know, the very foundations of what holds our jobs secure shake, you know. Oh. We live in the corporate world here in this, you know, public, you know. Uh, Two months ago, we were yeah. all on tenderhooks. But you've done that a few times. This network's <laughs> been, you know, how did you get through it? What, you know, how, what's your advice for people who, you know, the business that they're in might be a little shaky, but you can just, what, what's your advice? The first time's the worst because you don't believe there's, you know, you only see Armageddon. You yeah. don't believe there's life after receivership or administration. But there is. 
And, you know, I've seen so many people come and go, reinvent themselves, chart new courses, launch themselves into and challenge themselves in, in so many exciting ways. Um, I think, you you know, for me that first time was pretty scary, but I'd only been at the network about a year and we went into administration when Broadcom took us over. This was – you were probably 12. <laughs> anyway, oh, I was 20. Anyway, um, and I was really worried. You know, I'd had a had a mortgage back in Brisbane. I was living in Sydney. Um, I just wanted a job. Yeah. Um, and then I was looking around for other part-time work. Uh, you know, you've, you've got to feed yourself. You've got to keep a roof over your head. And look, if it all goes to pot, you're not going to physically die. So you'll be okay. You just will have to do something else. I'm pretty resourceful. You know, it's... But the last time... I did feel quite old when so many people came to sort of say, so Sandra, what's going to happen? I said, we'll be okay. You know, I, I can't, there are no guarantees. But, you know, stay as long as you want to. If you love it, stay. If you don't find something else, now's the time to go. But um, I, I can't promise you anything. I don't know any more than you know. None of us knew you know, there's a handful of people in the network that knew how it was going to play out. And then the way it played out, no one could have predicted. Nobody could have predicted the way it played out. And now we're part of this, you know, this global giant. Um, and it's largely business as usual. But there will be changes behind the scenes that will affect everybody. But, you know, television, Channel 10 has, hasn't been this strong and confident a position for so long. It's just really thrilling to be on you know, to be watching it all grow again, you know? Yeah. I mean, jobs jo jobs are being advertised. We haven't been able to advertise for a job for over 12 months. We've lost so many good people. And we've had so many farewells and that that gets you down. I, and I thought, that, you know, it was my fourth or fifth sort of major upheaval that it wasn't bothering me. And yet when I got to the end of the year, I was really exhausted. And I think it was the the emotional roller coaster of seeing good people go and and just wondering, you know, how it was all going to end up. Um, I was tired, you know, but yeah. hopeful. <laughs> and that is Sandra Sully. She's fantastic. The whole conversation is great. I recommend you listen to it. It's scrolling on back through the feed until episode 223, and that's when you can hear Sandra Sully. It's a great chat. Thank you so much for Brie for producing this episode and thanks Andy for cutting it together. Mike Mills, toe hider on the music. Rachel Barrett, who executive produces everything. I'll be back here on Friday. Uh, until then, sleep well and dream of beautiful things. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. 
That's stamps.com code program.